Welcome one, welcome all to a brand new edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I am your host, TLWD, and I want to thank you for joining us today. How's everybody doing? I hope well, hope well, hope everybody is doing well and safe out there. Hey, can I dad out for a minute, and can we talk a little bit about the show Bluey? I want to get all my parents around in a circle now. Uh, For those of you who have little ones, I want to know if you know about the show Bluey. It uh, airs on Disney. I believe it's on Disney Plus as well. Um, But my son watches it all the time. He's been watching it almost since, I guess, its debut or its advent on the Disney Channel. It started off as uh, an Australian cartoon in 2018, uh, then made its way to the Disney Channel. And it is a phenomenal breath of fresh air i i just i love this cartoon so much and and my son loves it and it's really great i want to speak specifically to my parents who have toddlers but even if you have uh, a child under 10 um this show's so good and teaches so many lessons and uh, it's so kind of uh diverse and, and kind of pushing um pushing the limits in a in a good way let me tell you a little bit more about the show Uh, again bluey is the main character Uh, she is an australian puppy Uh, her breed is a blue healer uh, if that helps you a little bit but she is an australian puppy the episodes are about seven minutes and give us a peek into bluey's family life Uh, one interesting thing about bluey uh, as I said, the show is, is very different in the way it approaches stereotypes and kind of pushes boundaries. Uh, Bluey is a little girl, but again, she is a blue healer puppy, so she is blue, which kind of defies the pink stereotypes that we would see in a lot of children's cartoons. Um, not to call out Paw Patrol, but you know, most of the times when it's a female animal character, they tend to be pink, where bluey is blue and it is really hard to tell if you're just listening or if you're new to the show it really takes you kind of a a beat or two to figure out that bluey is actually a little girl um bluey's parents they split household work and child care responsibilities equally Uh, she has a little sister named bingo and they engage in imaginative play. And honestly, that's what I love so much about this show. Again, they're little, they're little seven-minute uh, episodes, and Disney usually stacks about four of them uh, into about a half hour or so. Um, but they just do so. They they really they help spark the imagination. Um, more often than not, um, Bluey and Bling, Bluey and Blingo. Bluey and Bingo are with their dad and they make up creative games and believe me when I tell you this I'm telling you if you watch the show some of the stuff you'll actually want to do at home and I can tell you for a fact some of the stuff Jonah and I have done because Jonah will watch the show and again there's a very strong uh, parent-child relationship with with the father and Bluey um, and a lot of times it does strike a chord for me because with Jonah and I having such a close uh, father-son relationship um, I think jo- Jonah sees the playing of Bluey and her dad, and then he wants to emulate some of those things with me. And honestly, sometimes we have so much fun playing the same games that, that they're playing in the episode. Um, I just, I really love it. It's, it really reminds you, you watch the show, and it's like, all right, this is why I became a parent. Like, this is the, this is the fun 
loving side of parenting. Parenting can be hard. Parenting can be tough sometimes. But when you watch the show, you're like, this is all about like what what being a dad is all about. Uh, it's just it's it is a um, heartwarming, innocent, uh, and just an unspoiled joy of childhood this cartoon it, it really is and i encourage you if you're a parent and you got toddlers i'm telling you man turn them on to bluey i guarantee you they will like it and you will like it as well it's one of those cartoons that you'll be able to sit and watch and at least know that your child is getting something out of it one of my favorite episodes is it's called takeaway and it was in season one it was episode 14 um bluey and bingo test their dad's limits of patience uh, as they become restless while waiting for a takeaway order as, as we would call takeout but I guess over there down under they, they call it takeaway but anyway they're at this Chinese restaurant they're waiting outside they're waiting on the order um, and, and it's it's great and there's a calamity of things that happen the egg rolls get forgotten so then they're waiting for egg rolls um, before the before the episode is over all the food winds up getting dumped out on the dad. It's just, it's really great. I, I think it's Bluey wants to go to the hose. There's like a hose spout on the side of the restaurant and he wants to turn it on and take a bath. Bingo's got to go to the bathroom, can't hold it anymore. The dad eventually takes Bingo over to pee in a bush, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, It's just, it's a fun loving show. And again, if you're a parent and you've ever been in those types of situations, like I just explained with the takeaway one where it just nothing goes right but you laugh about it and you just make the best of the situations that's what bluey is and i really like it there was another episode and i don't quite remember the specifics but i thought it was so well done because there was a little puppy character who went to school and they were having trouble it was obviously portrayed as a special needs character but without coming out and saying it's a special needs character but they showed you his plight of not being able to remember things and remember numbers and he's in he's doing this imaginative play with another puppy at Bluey's school and they're playing military and he needs to remember the coordinates for the helicopter pickup and the long and the short of it is he remembers the coordinates so he's he's proud of himself um and again it shows you know making friends being the new kid in the school and making friends there's, there's so many values that come out of this cartoon it is really refreshing um we watch a lot of stuff as parents even though we try to keep our children you know uh kind of away from the tv sometimes there's just sometimes you can't help it and you just need that break and you have to let them decompress as well and put them in front of the tv and i'm telling you bluey is a good one to do it with it's uh you know jonah is kind of in that tweener age um he still likes his puppy dog pals and his muppet babies um but he's also onto ducktails and, and cricket green um big city greens he he's so he's starting to transition but man bluey will still he, he will drop what he's doing if bluey's on i mean he does the, the intro dances and everything and he makes me dance along with them um he just loves it it's a great show I, I highly endorse it so to any of my parents out there in random thoughts and best regard lands i give bluey a big old stamp of approval today marks a somber day in United States history. Uh, this show is dropping on Friday, September 11th. Uh, and that's, that's obviously a heavy day for our country. Uh, those who lived through it, um, much like myself, um, 
that this day this day has a, a certain weight to it um, and for me especially growing up um, you know just miles away from the the Twin Towers or, or the World Trade Center as it was better known in New York City um, buildings that I was infatuated with as a child buildings um, that I used to visit all the time in fact a set of buildings that uh, I was at two weeks before they came crashing down um, definitely um, 9-11 can be uh, a difficult day it can be even more complex when uh, your best friend was in the building that day um, and if you listen to this show um, many of you will will know the name Ricardo uh, Ricardo Rick who has appeared on this show uh, many times already is indeed a 9-11 survivor um, and uh, I will never forget the morning I turned on the TV not quite knowing what was going on yet uh, I, I turned on the TV actually no clue what was going on I was just getting ready for work and I, I turned on the TV and what I saw was an image that I didn't quite understand I honestly thought they the Today Show was talking about like a movie or something and they were showing a clip I was actually pouring a bowl of Cheerios and smoke was funneling out of the World Trade Center so then I walked the, the, the what I was seeing on my TV kind of confused me so of course I took my bowl of cereal and walked closer to the TV and realized that it was a Trade Center and right away my thought process was okay which tower is that because Rick works in the Trade Center um, and then of course as, as things just unfolded the, the day got uh, I don't even know a word crazier that's not even a good word to to explain it um, but there were uh, 200 930 uh, 77 deaths on that day excuse me 2,977 deaths on that day uh, and over 25,000 injuries uh, um, we had both towers in Manhattan struck by planes we had the uh, we had a plane crash uh, into the Pentagon in Arlington Virginia and then of course we had the plane go down in the field in Shanksville Pennsylvania that many people believe may have been headed for the White House or another uh DC landmark. Um, it was an American Airlines plane and a United plane that went into uh, the World Trade Center towers, respectively. The North Tower uh, was hit at 8:46 a.m. The South Tower, uh, the tower that Ricardo was in, was hit at 9:03 a.m. And uh, the South Tower was also the first tower to collapse. Uh, Ricardo had a very short window to get out of the building. Um, and again, his story is one that uh, perhaps someday, uh, if he's kind enough in, in the future and he, he's up to talking about it, maybe we can have him on Random Thoughts and Best Regards and uh, he can talk about it because he has a, a truly um, amazing story. Um, he doesn't like to talk about it much um, because a lot of people didn't survive that day and, and he did. So he... He looks at it that way, um, but because of his his quick thinkings and his actions, once he realized the North Tower was hit, uh, he was able to get his staff 
and um, himself out of the building safely, not before the tower was hit. He was actually in a, a stairwell on his way down uh, when the South Tower was hit. Um, and uh, it, it, is, uh, it, it is a surreal, I remember in October, uh, I had gone back and uh, you could still hear I was standing on in uh, Weehawken, New Jersey, at Frank Sinatra Park, which is across the Hudson, and you can literally you could hear this the creaking of the steel beams while the construction vehicles were excavating the remains of the towers. Uh, it, it was uh, some something that obviously I'll never forget. Uh, the sound will, will never leave my my memories. Uh, and then I remember um, maybe about a year later, uh, actually going back to the site with Ricardo and uh, it was his first time back to the site and uh, to see him kind of go to a different place as we were walking and he retold his footsteps um, it was something um, you know something that I can't imagine what it was like to go through that hell and and something that I I am so thankful um, that he is a survivor and that he, he made it out I think of all the things in the past 19 years now um, that possibly um, could have been drastically changed on that day Um, and while I know a lot of people lost their lives on that day um, I'm I'm very thankful that my best friend was able to make it out so uh, I knew you know I knew the show was going to drop today when I saw how the schedule played out I I realized we were going to have a show on that was going to drop on 9-11 I had maybe thought of Delaying it a day or two, or even moving it up a day or two, just to be to be off of, of this day in American history. But uh, I figured instead we would open up the show talking about it um, and just kind of pausing and uh, remembering those who lost their lives on this day. Um, so we will have a brief moment of silence for those who passed away on 9/11, uh, and I am thankful uh, for those who survived and remain with us uh, in the case of my best friend and and also a dear friend to the show uh, and a lot of you know and and that is Rick um, or you know Ricardo Um, so we'll have a brief moment of silence here for those who have perished on 9-11 19 years ago today and uh, then we will be back with the rest of our show And now, on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, a moment of silence for all those who perished on September 11, 2001. always a fan of a good documentary and I'm pretty excited about something I read the other day because I think it could turn out to be pretty dope. Uh, Judd Apatow is teaming up with HBO once again. Uh, Last time he did it, it was very successful. We'll get to that in a moment. But Judd Apatow is teaming up with HBO once again on a two-part documentary on the life of the late great comedian George Carlin. 
And if it is anything like his Gary Shandling documentary, I am so on board for this. I mean, th- that Shandling doc was great. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I-, I I highly recommend it. I mean, it spans Gary Shandling's entire career and gives you such insight into just a brilliant, creative mind, sometimes a, a-, a tortured mind but uh, just a a creative and and brilliant man and just such a wonderful light shine on Gary Shandling's life by Judd Apatow just really a a great documentary I highly recommend it if he can catch that magic in a bottle again with George Carlin I just think it's going to be great and and George Carlin is such a a polarizing lightning rod type comedian I I just I really think that uh, Apatow is the guy to do it such a fan of his documentaries. Um, he he just did a good documentary as well on Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry while with the New York Mets and that late 80s run that the Mets had and the, the drug issues uh, for both Gooden and, and Strawberry. It was such a good documentary. Apatow, you know, he's a great movie director, but I don't think people realize how good of a documentary director he is. I I strongly recommend if you haven't seen a Judd Apatow documentary that you check one out because I haven't honestly seen a bad one yet. Um, the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling won an Emmy in 2018 and rightfully so. Just uh, again, I can't say enough about it. It's probably honestly, and I've seen a lot of documentaries on various different subjects that quite honestly is probably one of, if not the favorite documentary of mine I, I just I, I love it I love that documentary um, as I mentioned Apatow is no stranger uh, to the stand-up comedy scene he also has directing credits uh, for the 40 year old virgin funny people the king of Staten Island just to name a few and um, he's gonna do a good job with this I'm, I'm excited about it I'm looking forward to it um, George Carlin was best known for his use of language and social observation um, he was uh, kind of like a Jerry Seinfeld with a foul mouth, uh, and he was great at it. Um, I, I read one of his books once before, and um, it just I just laughed the whole way through. You, you know I've talked about this on the show. Um, I, I have a great love for comedy, stand-up comedy, sitcom comedy, um, and uh, George Carlin was definitely one of those guys that I wanted to study and learn from. And I read his book, and I just I laughed so hard. Um, just a, again, a brilliant mind, and um, I, I'm very curious to see because I'm sure there's a lot of George Carlin that I didn't know, especially since the you know the height of his career was in the 70s and 80s, and I was younger. Um, while he was relevant in later years. Um, you know, the height really for him, the height of his success and the ramp up to his success was in the 70s and 80s. So I'm very curious to learn more about uh, George Carlin, which I think we will get in this series, especially since it's a two-parter. Um, I do think, uh, while Apatow, I'm sure, will take a fresh approach and not just rehash the approach that he took in the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, I'm sure there will be some similarities in how the story's told, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, George Carlin left us in 2008 at the age of 71, so I don't have a date yet on when this will be released, but Apatow is working on it uh, alongside George Carlin's daughter uh, is also working on this with him, so I think we're going to get a, a very cool, very interesting look at uh, 
the late great comedian George Carlin, and I'm excited that Judd Apatow is the one doing this documentary. Right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, let's go ahead and talk about the NBA playoffs. Let's not focus on the huge disappointment that the Milwaukee Bucks turned out to be this year. By the way, we're the number one seed in the East. Instead, let's talk about a team that was not mentioned at all by a group of men who I feel know basketball so well. If you listen to the show and you listen to our playoff episode, you heard Ricardo, Marvin, Terrence, myself, Saul, all give you NBA playoff predictions. We talked to you about a myriad of teams and situations and who we thought was going to make the finals and not a single one of us and Marvin pointed this out to me the other day and I honestly had already realized it but not a single one of us spoke or uttered the name Miami Heat the fifth seed in the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference Not a single one of us, myself, Marvin, Terrence, Ricardo, Sal, didn't even mention the Heat, didn't even mention Jimmy Butler, didn't even mention Bam Adebayo, not a mention. And that number five seed out of the Eastern Conference knocked off the team with the best record in the NBA this season, the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one seed in the East. Miami goes and takes them out in five games. And the Miami Heat are now headed to the Eastern Conference Finals where they will await the winner of the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Let's talk about the Heat because they deserve to be talked about. Uh, In the past, I've often been critical of, as I like to call him, the AV guy, the head coach, Eric Spolstra, the guy who ran the AV department for Pat Riley while he was the head coach of the Heat. Um, He has quietly, whether it be him, Pat Riley, whoever you want to credit, the Brain Trust in Miami has quietly assembled a very strong roster in 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 looking at and dedicating more time to the Heat uh, in recent days after seeing what they're doing, I completely underestimated the roster that they have. They swept the Indiana Pacers in the first round, and they only lost one game to the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks. And they took that series in five games and they will now sit and wait for the winner of the Raptors and the Celtics. So, we have to talk about Jimmy Butler. Because this playoff run 
I believe is changing a lot of people's opinion of Jimmy. Uh, And to get a better understanding of Jimmy Butler, let's take a look at his life. First of all, Jimmy Butler came over from the Philadelphia 76ers last season. Uh, It was a big score for the Miami Heat. Some people didn't see it coming. Some people questioned the amount of money that the Heat spent. Jimmy Butler comes over. But again, as I mentioned, let's look at the life of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was fatherless. Didn't have a dad in his life. Jimmy Butler was homeless at the age of 13. Do you want to know why Jimmy Butler was homeless at the age of 13? His mother didn't like his looks. So she put him out. Can you imagine that? Can, can anybody in this this audience, can anybody, can, can you even, can you even fathom that? Your mother, the person who gave birth to you, the person who's supposed to love you, doesn't like your looks and puts you out on the street at 13 years old, so you're homeless. You're the 73rd ranked shooting guard in Texas. 73rd ranked coming out of high school. 73rd ranked shooting guard in the state of Texas. No Division One offers. So you go to JUCO. Put your time in at JUCO. And then you get a chance. Somebody recognize you, you get the opportunity to go to Marquette. Do you know where he faxed his letter of intent to Marquette from? From a McDonald's. Jimmy Butler faxed his letter of intent to Marquette University from a McDonald's. Jimmy Butler understands adversity. Jimmy Butler understands hard times. From all that, though, because this is a great story, and it needs to have a light shined on it. From all that, let's talk about some of the things that Jimmy went on to do. Jimmy was a first-round draft pick. Butler was the most improved player in 2015. He's a five-time All-Star, a four-time All-Defensive team, a two-time All-NBA team, and the kid who was homeless at 13 years old signed a $140 million contract with the Miami Heat and just knocked out of the playoffs the number one team in the league in five games and is now on to the Eastern Conference Finals, has a chance potentially to play in the finals this year. Amazing story for Jimmy Butler. And I really believe he is showing intensity. He is showing leadership. He is showing a lot of things that people doubted in him but it was, I believe it was there and it just needed the right opportunity to come out. Uh, and I finally believe he's found a good fit. It's been a rough go for him finding the right fit, but it really seems like he's found a home in Miami. When we talk about Miami though, and Jimmy is great and Jimmy is emerging right now into the superstar that, that over the last few years, people maybe thought he was going to be. But let me tell you what the key down in South Beach is. And that's Bam Adebayo. This kid's a stud. Bam was the 14th pick out of Kentucky in 2017. And he is a difference maker for the Miami Heat. 
He does so much for this team on both ends of the floor. So much. It's just the my, my basketball coach always used to talk about the intangibles, just how important the intangibles are. And Bam brings so many of those intangibles to the Heat. And what the things that he does on both ends of the floor opens things up for Jimmy Butler. And it allows Jimmy Butler to be the star that he's becoming uh, in the league right now. Uh, again, I talked about this roster. You, Tyler Hero, the young kid, great outside shooting. He's had some clutch shooting. And a young kid, big spots, hitting big shots for the Heat. You've got uh, Gorgon Dragic, uh, again, point guard, just doing really good things. Finally, you know, I believe he came over from Phoenix a few years ago and just has finally found his niche with the Heat. Andre Iguodala, the gri- the grizzled veteran, the kind of the glue, the guy who's been there, done that type of playoff scenario. Uh, again, brings a leadership to the team. Jay Crowder playing big, playing big physically, playing big minutes-wise, uh, and hitting big shots. Uh, I mean, you saw the other night he hit a shot, and uh, it was a three-point shot, and, and you, you saw the reaction of the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, it was almost like a dagger to them. Uh, there was no coming back after that. Uh, Miami's on a roll, and Miami is now going to rest, and they're going to await the winner of the Celtics Raptor series. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. The Cinderella story may be over, or it may not be. I, I don't know, but the Heat are definitely on a Cinderella run right now to the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston's going to be tough. I don't think they could beat Boston. Do they match up against Toronto? Yes, I believe they match up very well against Toronto. Even though I have Toronto uh, winning the East, the way Miami's playing right now, they match up very well against Toronto. Do I like the matchup for Miami against the Boston Celtics? Looking at it, no, I don't. I feel like the Celtics would advance. It'd be a tough series, but I feel like the Celtics would get the best of the Heat. But I, I mean, all bets are off at this point. I mean, the Heat are playing so well. Somebody's got to stop them first before I, before I can doubt them, before I can say, no, they're not going to make it to the finals. I mean, somebody's got to beat them. I mean, they swept the Pacers, and the, the Bucks, who were the number one seed, only, only got one win. They lost the series 4-1. I realize the home courts and, you know, the bubble is, is changing things and, and, and teams are being built. I talked about, uh, you know, how how Houston benefits being a bubble team. I mean, we all completely, we were all sleeping on Miami. Miami is, is built to win in the bubble and Miami is winning in the bubble. Miami is built to win, period, but they are also built to win in the bubble. Like the bubble, the bubble benefits them and, and we're seeing it. I mean, they have just ripped saw. I mean, they are like a buzzsaw right now. And somebody's got to stop that buzzsaw. Whether Toronto or Boston can do it, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, So I just wanted to take a few moments and uh, highlight the Miami Heat and give them their just due. Because again, man, we did that whole... We talked for over an hour about the NBA playoffs. And not a one of us... Let me tell you something. High-level basketball IQs. (laughs) We, we, We were... you know, all of us, each individually, have, have high-level basketball IQs. Not a single one of us mentioned the Miami Heat. Myself, Ricardo, Marvin, Terrence, Saul, a single one of us mentioned the Heat. And here they are, sitting and waiting in the Eastern Conference Finals.
So, I'm not going to lie. I know a lot about professional wrestling, sports entertainment. Uh, a lot of people have referred to me as a historian of the sport uh, or of the genre. And I will be brutally honest with you when I tell you that I was this many days old when I found out that not only was legendary Mexican superstar Hector Guerrero the gobbledygooker in WWE, but he was also Lasertron in WCW. And the craziest part of this is those are two of the worst gimmicks in the history of professional wrestling. And I never knew, never realized that it was Hector Guerrero, Guerrero especially under the mask of Lasertron. That's what blew my mind. And the weirdest thing is, when I went back and looked, I immediately saw Guerrero, like I could see it now. And I don't know how I missed it when I was younger. Um, and I don't even know as, as, I, as I got older how I didn't realize um, that that was, that was Hector Guerrero. I mean, I, I'm the same person that instantaneously, uh, the first time the Blue Blazer appeared, which I believe was, I want to say, 1989 or 88 in, in WWF, WWE. Uh, I'm not talking about when he came back uh, in the late 90s when Owen brought back the Blue Blazer uh, later on in his career before his untimely death, but uh, when he first debuted in the WWE and they put him under a mask because they didn't want it to be known that he was Bret Hart's brother, I immediately knew. I saw a, a Madison Square Garden card and the Blue Blazer debuted and I immediately said, that's Owen Hart. So like, I immediately knew who was under the mask. I never made the connection that it was Hector Guerrero under that Lasertron mask. And I watch it now and I'm like, holy crap, yeah, that's clearly Hector Guerrero. Uh, and it's just so crazy. And I mean, Lasertron is exactly what you think it was, if, if you know what I'm talking about. There used to be a game. Uh, Lasertron was one of them. And I believe Photon was the other. And we used to run around with, with guns. And, and you had like a, a sensor on your chest. And when you got hit, it was like red or green. Um, and and Lasertron was, was exactly that. He, he Hector, Hector Guerrero wore, wore a, a gray and red suit. Um, with this faceless, like, uh, black, almost looked like a, a strainer type material over the face, like a fencing material, almost like a, a, an Olympic fencer or, you know, somebody who sword fight fences, uh, had that kind of like mask material over the front and then, and then a gray and, and red mask. Um, just a really cheesy gimmick for the times, uh, in the, in the, uh, early nineties, uh, and into the, the mid nineties. Um, and I just can't believe it's him. And then completely mind blown. I mean, the gobbledygooker, I honestly never, I've never put that one together. Never even, never ever would have even imagined that was Hector Guerrero in that suit. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, I believe it was Survivor Series, and I, I probably should have fact-checked this, but I'm, I'm pretty good with my memory, as I said, when it comes to professional wrestling. So I want to say it was either Survivor Series 91 or 92. I'm not sure if it was the same year The Undertaker debuted, but I feel like it was 91, 92. There was a giant egg, and we were teased on WWE superstars and WC... Uh, excuse me. We were teased on WWF Superstars and WWF Challenge, which was the weekend programming, about this egg. 
and this egg was going to hatch, and, and this egg was going to hatch in uh, at Survivor Series. I believe it was in uh, Richfield, which Richfield, Ohio, that year, which was kind of right outside of Cleveland. Um, but the egg was going to hatch. Uh, mean Gene was there. The egg hatched. It was a man that we now know was Hector Guerrero, or I now know. Maybe people knew this before me, but I now know, again, this many days old, I now know that that was Hector Guerrero in that gobbledygooker suit, and uh, he danced around the ring, and and then, then the gobbledygooker was uh, one of the more interesting moments in professional wrestling. He showed up again at uh, WrestleMania 17 in a gimmick battle royal in Houston, Texas. I am not sure. I'm going to assume it was Hector under the suit in the suit but I, yeah, I'm not sure um, but again this many days old when I found out that wrestling legend uh, brother to Eddie Guerrero uh, uncle to Chavo Guerrero um, Hector Guerrero was not only the gobbledygooker but he was Lasertron in WCW just crazy again I'm, I'm, I, I've been stumped I again there are not many things that I don't know in wrestling and that one legit got me today I was like holy crap so it's refreshing to be like surprised sometimes and realize you don't know everything. It's, it's very, it's very good. It's very humbling. It's very refreshing. So this past Monday was Labor Day and I was home and I was watching a uh, Pawn Star Marathon. That's Pawn, P-A-W-N, just in case anybody couldn't understand what I was saying. Not porn, Pawn Star Marathon on the History Channel. And dude, I was killing it on the trivia, man. There was one episode I got every answer right. I was so proud of myself. The first question was, uh, what Major League Baseball stadium serves more uh, sausage than hot dogs? And I said Miller Park in Milwaukee. I was right on that one. Then uh, the next question was, what did Richard Nixon have put in the White House? And I said a bowling alley. I was right on that one. And then the final question was, which president wanted to be a math professor uh, before going into politics? And I said James A. Garfield. So I was killing it on the trivia. I was very proud uh, that my brain still functions at we'll say high capacity um but uh yeah so that was a good day again like i said i was watching an episode of the pawn stars on the history channel this past labor day and uh, i got every trivia question right so uh, i was real proud of myself so this is my humble brag all right deal with it today's Random thought. Potatoes make french fries, chips, and vodka. It's like the other vegetables aren't even trying. And that's today's random thought. I'm going to try not to grit my teeth as I read this story. You'll understand why in a minute. Kansas Department of Health and Environment identifies University of Kansas football as an active COVID-19 cluster. There are 
14 confirmed cases. Uh, yeah, let's talk about this. First of all, right off the bat, let me say that Kansas Athletics is not replying to this article that was written by the Lawrence Journal World, which is the local paper out in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, They're only saying that there are three active cases on the football team. But again, the Kansas Department of Health and Environment identifies KU football as a COVID-19 cluster with 14 confirmed cases. So here we go. You know, a couple weeks ago I talked about college football, how much I was going to miss it, and those that were still looking to play were going to be a mess. Last week we had Matt on the show. Matt echoed the same sentiment as me. If universities can't keep their students safe and they can't keep their doors open to do what their primary function is, and that is educate and provide higher learning, then we should not even be considering sports at this time. A few weeks ago, when our athletic director, and again, when I say R, if if you're unfamiliar to the show, if you're just listening for the first time, I graduated from the University of Kansas. I am alumni. Our athletic director, Jeff Long, a few weeks ago, put out a statement about how we were going to proceed with the Big 12 in the football season. Uh, my opinion, it was a bit of a rah-rah, kind of filibuster-type statement. Um, and I felt that the university and the athletic department maybe was burying their head in the sand for the betterment of the Big 12. I reached out via email to Jeff just to make my opinion known. Very courteous, it wasn't anything. I just I asked if he and the university were sure about pushing forward with this and if they knew what they were doing. Because if they didn't know what they were doing, that's a very heavy price to pay. So Again, I didn't get a response. I didn't, I didn't think I'd get a response, but that was, as an alumni, alumni, I felt I had the right to reach out to our athletic director and say, hey, I'm a Jayhawk. I'll always be a Jayhawk. But we say Rock Chalk Jayhawk, but we also say family over everything, FOE, family over everything. And I think that needed that needs to be reminded that yes Rock Chalk Jayhawk but also FOE and family over everything and there is a responsibility to protect the kids currently going to school and to protect our student athletes and that comes from the top and I'm not happy with Les Miles either because a few weeks ago Les Miles had some rhetoric that was kind of telling players if they chose you know if they if they declined to play this season it could affect them long term 
uh, kind of almost putting the pressure or putting the screws to them to kind of be like, you know, don't, don't, don't back out. Everything, you know, everything's going to be fine. Um, listen, if you're not comfortable playing, don't play. That's the bottom line. And the bottom line is, let's be honest, Les Miles can get up and, and cheer and, and run 21 and all these other gimmicks and fancy snazzy things. We're not that good in football. It's not that important. I love my Jayhawks, but we're not that good in football. It's not that important, man. It's not worth your life. It's not. So, if there's any, you know, players out there that don't want to play this season, don't play. Don't play. If, if KU and the Big 12 are going to push forward and they're going to insist on having a season and you don't feel comfortable, don't play. If you decide to play then there's the risk that's involved. Um, but it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that we're still trying to push forward with college football. I'm not even going to talk about the NFL or anything else right now. I'm just going to focus on college football and this report uh, from the Lawrence Journal World that there are 14 cases, 14 confirmed cases on the University of Kansas football team. And we have the Kansas Department of Health and Environment identifying the football team as an active COVID-19 cluster. And I'm sure we're not the only one. I'm sure can't. That's the scary thing. I'm sure Kansas isn't the only one. And Alabama's already had their troubles with with the cluster. So you know, this is this is just this is going to be a mess. And people just want to keep sticking their head in the sand and act like this doesn't exist. I said the other day, it's the same thing, man. People, you know people want to people want to bury their head in the sand it's like the stuff's not going to magically go away it's like racism you can bury your head in the sand but racism isn't going to go away same thing with COVID-19 you can bury your head in the sand but COVID-19 is not going to go away it's science people it's science it's not going away till we get a cure till we get a vaccine it's not going away and we can continue to be reckless for what so we're going to continue to be reckless so I can watch Kansas get beat by 30 points on a Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium on TV. It's just ridiculous. Let's, let's, and, I, and I'm, I'm proud of the student body. I am proud of the student body that's striking out at KU. Uh, they, they went on strike this past Monday to try to get the university to move to uh, online learning. And voice your opinions, man. Voice your opinions. I had this conversation the other day. Uh, with my parents and I said you know it's really hard for kids right now that are going to school and I'll be honest if I was in their shoes I I would either I would either just go remotely or I would take the semester off but really those those would be my choices you know when I when I was going to KU I my family lived in New Jersey so I you know I would travel from New Jersey to Kansas to go to school and uh, if I was in if, if this happened back when I was in school my choice would have either been, you know, go hybrid, go remotely, or just skip a semester until it was safe to go back. Um, there's just a lot. There's a lot. And the responsibility is not there. The responsibility, it's, it's so hard to get kids to be at that age to be responsible and not to party and drink and, you know, take their masks off and, and spread this disease. So it's a mess. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm curious to see again. This story is just kind of a burgeoning story, so I don't have all the facts yet. Uh, so it may change by the time the show hits the air. Uh, there may be less cases. 
uh, than the 14. Again, the university is only confirming three active cases. So, um, you know, we need to find out some more information there. Um, but, it, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It may, makes me feel like where there's, there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, so let's see. It's crazy. I, you know, I, I still can't believe that there's going to actually be a college football season. Um, see what happens. I was perusing Twitter earlier when I came across something that gave me a chuckle and actually uh, reminded me of a similar story. So I thought I'd go ahead and share it with you. Um, I happened to see a response from uh, WWE Hall of Famer and current AEW broadcaster Jim Ross good old JR and he was telling a story about how Dick Murdoch dirty Dick Murdoch once received a one dollar check after fines from Bill Watts so this was probably back in the uh, territorial days or maybe even the uh, UWF days but uh, Bill Watts was a promoter and dirty Dick Murdoch had received a one dollar check after fines were taken out from Bill and Dick proceeded to tell JR that he would never cash that check, so the SOB's checkbook would never be balanced. (laughs) The SOB, of course, and the checkbook that he's referring to is that of Bill Watts. Um, But anyway, this story made me chuckle, and I was wondering if anybody else out there in the uh, Toddcast world of random thoughts and best regards has a a similar funny story or a similar uh, quirky little thing uh, kind of a passive-aggressive jab uh, where they can get kind of get even or retribution with somebody. The, the story that it reminded me of um, is somebody who's appeared on this show before, somebody that I have enjoyed a lot of success with throughout my career. Um, one time we were in a restaurant. We used to go out to eat often after working together. Um, we would go out. We'd go to restaurants and sometimes we'd get great service sometimes not so much so this one night in particular we got some bad service so I had said to him uh I was like I don't know about you I said but the service really sucked I I don't feel I don't think we should leave a tip I don't want to leave a tip and he said to me and I'll (laughs) I'll never forget this he goes no he goes we have to leave something and I thought he was going to try to argue like you know, we, they're hardworking no matter what. Even if the service was bad, it's just they were having a bad night. That's not the way we went. he went with it. He, he said to me, no, we've got to leave something. We've got to leave like a, a nickel or a quarter um, because then that way they know that they sucked at their job tonight. He's like, if we don't leave any tip, he's like, they might just think that we forgot. They might not realize that we're not leaving a tip because their service was bad they think oh maybe they forgot and that's why they didn't leave a tip he's like no you always leave them like change like a quarter or a nickel so they know when they get it that they did a bad job and that that's why they were getting that lousy tip and i laughed so hard that night and we did it i think we left a quarter um we did and we didn't even leave like loose change we literally we did the one where like we wrote the 25 cents in the check in the tip area um and you know I just I I always laugh at that and but I'll tell you 
honestly, as much as I laughed at it and I thought it was funny and quirky at the time, he does make a valid point. You can argue with me all you want, uh, and I'm always ve- I am always very sensitive to servers. I always try to be kind to them. I realize their job is not easy. I realize sometimes they're just having a bad night, um, but it's true. How do they know if you're if they're doing a bad job? If you forget to leave a tip, they could just honestly think you forgot to leave a tip. How many times has somebody out in there out there gotten good service and forgot to leave a tip? I mean, I know it's happened. I've done it before. One time I walked out of a restaurant, I had gone for lunch and I walked out of a restaurant and I completely forgot to leave the tip. And I felt like such an ass after that. I couldn't believe that I did it. So it happens. Sometimes you get good service and you forget to leave a tip. So a server may think, oh, they just forgot to leave me a tip. But no, 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 no. As my good friend pointed out to me that day, when they when they open up the little thing that the check comes in and sees the quarter on on their receipt as their tip, they're going to know they did a bad job. Alright, that is going to do it for another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week and encourage you to come on back next week for a brand new episode. Uh, before I get out of here though, has anybody seen, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're all aware of the fires that are going on in the Pacific Northwest, but has anybody seen these photos coming out of San Francisco and Oregon of, of these orange skies? I mean, I saw one of the San Francisco Giants baseball stadium. And it looks like it's got like a, a, a orange filter cover over the, the photo. Like it, it is, I mean, these are legit orange skies from these fires. It is apocalyptic. Um, and there's, you go to social media and you look this up, man, and there's photos all over. Saw one from the Golden Gate Bridge. Again, I, I saw one from the, the Giants baseball stadium. Uh, 49ers as well, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, which are out in Santa Clara. for practicing uh, in this like orange sky. Uh, there's been photos out of Oregon of an orange sky. It's just really some apocalyptic stuff. Um, terrible what's going on with those forest fires. Um, and again, especially the, the one that was started from a, a gender reveal. Um, from a, yeah, as crazy as that sounds, from a baby baby's gender reveal this fire sparked and uh it's just creating chaos in the pacific northwest so uh you know best wishes to everybody out there and that uh, everybody is safe um that's going to do it for me again we're going to get out of here thanks again for joining us encourage you to come back next week and in the meantime stay safe stay healthy thanks for listening to my dad's show